The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. Uh, my thanks to Todd Zola and the rest of the crew for filling in the past couple of weeks. And my thanks to everyone who sent a nice message. Um, my wife, Courtney, is, is doing great. Baby Ford is doing great. Um, so uh, just thanks to everyone again for, for sending out a, a note. Uh, that really meant a lot. Um, but back with the podcast, back with weekly episodes for you. And I've got a I've got a three year streak going now where I've had a member of the NFPC main event overall champion on the podcast. Uh, of course, Phil Dusso, Bobby Big Bucks, they they did it solo. Uh, Dylan White, my guest today, uh, partnered up with uh, Brian Slack, um, and uh, so I get to kind of get half of the NFPC main event champion on the show with with dylan white um but but first dylan how are you doing uh thanks for thanks for uh joining me uh, i'm very good i'm very good i'm, I'm probably the the worst half <laughs> of the two i think that's pretty clear um but congratulations before i start um you said baby ford is that is that named after harry ford or is it white langford <laughs> <laughs> um it's actually uh the Langford one actually is very, very close to what it is. Uh, my, my wife's, uh, her, her dad's last name was uh, Bedford and her mom's last name was Bradford. So um, Ford at the end of both of those, just like Langford. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of joked to me uh, <laughs> that I needed to name him Langford to really uh, plant my flag. Um you know, everyone's everyone's trying to plant their flag on on Wyatt Langford, but yeah, I guess I, I guess I can claim that he uh, he was partially named after after Wyatt Langford. Um, didn't didn't go with your minds. <laughs> That'd be too obvious. You got to kind of make make the audience work for it to figure it out. Yeah, and uh, was not named after Harry Ford, um, so you will not <laughs> you'll not see Harry Ford with two big up arrows and in, inside the top ten on the next update. Um, but let's, you know, that's a, that's enough baby talk. Um, let's, let's talk about fantasy baseball and, uh, we've got a, we've got a post-type sleeper episode for everyone today. Uh, you and I are going to do our best to kind of go through some potential candidates to be uh, post-type sleepers in 2024, uh, hitting prospect or former hitting prospects that 
carried a, a decent amount of hype and maybe didn't uh, set the world on fire in 2023. Uh, but first, I wanted to kind of circle back to your main event title and uh, see uh, just how you're feeling a uh, few months removed from that. Um, I know you kind of made the uh, media rounds with your partner, uh, Brian Slack, uh, a couple months ago. I, I checked out uh, most of those appearances. Um, but just, you know, how, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, is there, is there anything you kind of look back on that and, and still think about, or is it already kind of on to 2024? It's kind of weird. It's like uh, simultaneously feels like it just happened. And then also it's been so long ago. And, and it's also kind of ebbs and flows, so like the emotional, um, like hangover from it and, and the highs and lows. It's like something feels like yesterday and the stress, wake up in the middle of the night, stressed out. Um, and then also like, it just feels like a, uh, a dream from far away. So it's, it's still kind of weird. I know Brian kind of feels uh, similar when we, we, we still chat. We haven't uh, parted ways, even though he's moved on to better things and, and retired, um, that it, I think he's kind of going through the same thing where it feels like, can you believe it was over two months ago and all that stuff, all the gifts we would always be exchanging on, on Twitter <laughs> with the, we, our, our thumbs are out of practice. Um, but yeah, no, it feels recently because you kind of got me thinking about it again. It's kind of, it's kind of been flooding back of just how, how wild a ride it was. We, we were first, I think at the end, August 27th, I think we, we first grabbed first overall we lost it like the next day and then we got it again and then basically uh, ran it out. And just like that, that month was just nail biting time. I don't think I've watched more baseball or been on the MLB app more than <laughs> ever in my life beforehand. Um, and as you know, you know, I, uh, I like to sweat the small things and, and Brian is very similar as well. So, uh, you know, a good match, maybe, <laughs> I don't know if our partners would agree, but, uh, you know, we were a good, uh, we were a good compliment to each other for, uh, you know, we, we were always complaining about the same things. We were always like trying to beat the other person for sending information to the other. If someone hit a home run or if someone got injured or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, great, great experience. Of course, Brian's a great uh, player. I'm very happy to call him a very good friend, um, even though we've never met and he's across the country. Um, just a great experience and uh, couldn't ask for, you know, a better year and a better partner to do it with. Yeah, when I was in Vegas uh, for the main event, um, I was chatting with Brian, uh, just kind of in one of the one of the rooms. I don't know if it was before draft or in, during like a break during the draft or something. And he was mentioning to me that he was going to partner up with you. Um, and I think I just like told him on the spot that that was the the team to beat um, because I'm obviously no all about uh how good of a player brian slack is i mean i think even just a, a solo brian slack team would be uh one of the vegas front runners to win the main event but i also know how good you are um and so just that combination and i i just knew that your guys personalities would be a great fit um so if there was a way that you could bet on uh nfbc main event um winners i might have thrown something down on you and Brian Slack once I found out you guys were pairing, but just kind of crazy that it actually played out that way. Um, is is there anything you learned from partnering with Brian Slack that uh, made you better that you're willing to share or just any kind of 
you know, maybe not made you better, but just like kind of anything um, that you feel kind of comfortable passing along that that was something you picked up from, from partnering with him? Yeah. Um, you know, I would joke that I didn't learn anything from him, but of course I did. He, uh, I mean, just his experience alone, like without even getting into like his, his skills, just, just the fact that he's played for so long, he has just a great feel and like intuition about how much someone will go for in fab or like, I think our, our pitching strong enough to head into September, like that type of thing. He just has it like already in his bones. He kind of knows. Whereas I'm like, have to get my laptop out and calculate and say, oh yeah, you're right. It, we do have a good pitching staff. Um, so he has all that. He has that experience. He's just, he's just really smart. Obviously he can synthesize a lot of information and kind of cut to the chase of what's important, what's actionable, what's, you know, meaningful and what's just noise kind of thing. Um, which is good. Cause I, I send a lot of noise and so he can cut through it and figure out what's, what's actually useful or not. Um, I think the thing that, that where he's the most opposite from me. And I think it's, it, it was very helpful for me to, to learn and see um, is that he's, he's really aggressive um, and, and kind of fearless in, especially in fab. Like I'm the type of guy who I'm risk averse. So it's always kind of like maintain that floor. Don't, don't sacrifice for a, a big loss um, with the potential for a big loss, but he's, he's just aggressive, fearless. He's not worried at all. Like I want to keep like the Gene Seguros or the Andrew Benintendi's, even though they're not performing because, you know, projections show that they're going to be okay and they have a good spot in the lineup. And, you know, this is just a natural variance, but he's like, let's just cut them. Let's, we can get someone else next week, like totally fearless, like not indiscriminately, like without, uh, you know, any rationale behind it. He's not doing that, but uh, like very aggressive. He knows, I think it goes back to that thing about the field that I was talking about. He kind of knows that there's always going to be someone coming up it's not really putting us in a, in a bad position by doing, you know, dropping Segura or Benintendi clearly. Um, but yeah, just that aggressiveness. I'm always trying to keep, like, I know it's a week to week game, um, but it's, you also have to think two weeks ahead and three weeks ahead. And if you drop that guy and then you can't get them back because you wanted to go for the potential next big thing. Um, I'm always worried that it'll bite us in the butt, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I think I'm babbling, but uh, it's just, he's, he's aggressive. He's fearless. All his experience came through. He was a, he was a guiding hand. Um, I'm always a nervous ball of anxiety trying to figure out, you know, like, don't make a mistake. Don't blow it here. Like what's the optimal choice and allocation of money or roster or whatever. And uh, you know, he's just a calm guiding hand and he probably laugh at that because he probably considers himself a warrior, but uh, yeah, really good compliment. Like I said to each other. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. And uh, yeah, I thought very well said. Um, I mean, you do have to be, you do have to be kind of willing to, to cut bait on guys um, mid season, even if, you know, like Ben and I think that's a great example. Um, I, I ended up like kind of going through the same thing with like Javi Baez on one of my main event teams where it was just kind of like, you kind of got to a point in the year where it's just like, you know, it's, it's time to cut this guy. Um, even if projections wise, you know, he's, he's probably still a guy that should be rostered. Um, yeah, that all those kind of tough calls like that, I think, I think you kind of summed it up well. Like you, you get, you get to the point where you're making those right calls, um, just kind of through practice and through reps and, uh, Slack definitely had a lot of that. Um, yeah. Cause so like in my experience, when I, when I had success in TGFBI, 
um, part of the reason why I did so well was I picked up Joey Votto that someone had dropped. Mm-hmm. And um, our main event overall winner was we picked up Tristan Casas that someone had dropped and Tommy Edmond that someone had dropped and Josh Naylor that someone had dropped. Like we're, we're, we get success from these like right. ill-timed drops um, when someone's just frustrated with the, the current production from that player. And so I, I don't want to be on the back end of that where we, you know, we, we're frustrated with, I don't know, yeah, if anybody, but someone well, who's <laughs> Spencer Torkelson. And so we drop right. him and then, you know, he ends up hitting 30 home runs. So, um, so I don't want to, I, I don't want to make it sound like he's just like, he doesn't care. Just drop it for the next thing. He's not at all. It's just, he's willing to do it. And when he, when he makes the, you know, the judgment calculation that it's worth doing. Yeah. And I mean, the players you cited, like uh, Casas, Naylor, Edmund, um, you know, those are types of guys that you would, you could see someone just kind of panic dropping in like a 12 team Rotowire online championship. Um, but yeah, being able to pounce on those mistakes in a 15 team league, that's huge. Um, and, uh, you know, hats off to you guys. I bet, I bet when you added Casas, it was probably right around the perfect time in the calendar where he probably hit like 300 the rest of the way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. We got Grayson uh, as well. They're the same, same idea. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Um, so do, I, obviously I know, <clears throat> I know you from playing, you know, you, you play a lot of dynasty, obviously, uh, TGFBI. Um, but what is, have you thought at all about your plan for redraft leagues in 2024? Um, like, are you gonna, are you going to be back in the main event <clears throat> as a solo manager? Or are you going to dip your toes in any of the other contests? Do you, have you thought about that at all? Uh, I have thought about it. Um, I'm still kind of recovering from the whole thing. I don't think I'm going to go by myself <laughs> in a main event. Um, I, I do co-manage an OC uh, or a couple of OCs with Jordan Rosenblum, which we'll probably do it again as well. It's fairly low maintenance. Um, so that's, that's easy. That's, that's fun too. So I'll probably do that. I haven't really um, done um, research or prep or whatever. Um, but I see, you know, people just showing the draft boards and talking DCs and ADPs, what we're doing today. Um, and I kind of get the FOMO that I want to be involved. I think, I think I want a partner. And I think it was kind of like I was spoiled by Brian, just like it was, it was such a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't know how, how to word this, but it's sort of like I've, I've been spoiled by having Brian as a partner. And then like, I don't want to be disappointed if someone's not like being Brian. And then, uh, so I'm kind of worried about that from a, like a race, relational point of view. Um, but I think I'm probably going to be in a, in a main event. I just don't know under what configuration or what circumstances I, I, I keep talking to Brian every time, every, every week about like, what's your percentage of like coming out of retirement? And, <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling I'll be doing a main event. So this is very helpful prep. What we're going to talk about today. Um, it's good to see the market, good to see the layout. And uh, it's good for me to have to dig in and figure out who's actually good and who's not. Well, it's going to be big shoes to fill for uh, whoever you end up settling on as a, as a partner. That's um, kind of, it's like you just got out of a relationship with like your, your dream partner and, now you're just judging all the uh, people out there. Um, <laughs> Going on The Bachelor and uh, yeah. taking applications with a rose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
Got to keep that Brian Slack on a pedestal. Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, let's talk some. It's good to hear that you're at least considering doing a, a main event. Um, so we'll stay tuned for for that. Um, but let's talk about some some post type sleeper candidates. Uh, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So... You know, I, I didn't focus on pitchers here just for the sake of time. Uh, but to me, you know, like I get asked about post-type sleeper candidates all the time. Um, it's it's very tricky because, you know, certain players may fit that archetype, but they actually have some hype um, anyways, or, you know, maybe they weren't as hyped in some circles as others. So maybe they don't fit it from that angle, but, um, you know, to me, like last year, uh, CJ Abrams and Spencer Torkelson were probably the most notable post-type sleepers who really hit, um, you know, just guys that had big time prospect pedigree, um, didn't perform that well in, in 2022 and were quite affordable in drafts because of that. But then, um, they returned profit for anyone that, that took them. Uh, I did not have. I, I had a pretty good year. I didn't have any CJ Abrams or any Spencer Torkelson. So, you know, who knows if I'm even good at, at finding uh, post-type sleepers, but um, you know, I, I tried to come up with a list of hitters where, you know, at least I, or maybe the consensus thought of them as, you know, top 25 ish prospects. Um, some cases much higher than that. 
and then you know you look at their 2023 uh, production and it doesn't really quite look like the production of, of someone with that type of pedigree um, so we're going to try to go through these guys and try to see which ones might be strong candidates to, to really break out this year and which guys uh, might be getting overdrafted based on that that prior hype um so let's uh I'll just I'll just let you kind of pick the first player you want to talk about, whether it's something you like or or something you don't like um, about how they're being priced for twenty twenty four. Yeah, so let me uh, let me let me set the scene first about like how I prepped for this. So yeah, um, the way I did it is I, I downloaded all the projections. Um, I have my spreadsheet to figure out what the player pool is and assign dollar values. Um, I have certain little tweak things where I. You know, I, I weight batting average higher, for example, because I want to have a better batting average than what the dollar value is because it's going to be harder to get doll, uh, batting average off the waiver wire, blah, blah, blah. So spits out the dollar value just by projections. And then I have from that player pool, I also figure out what their like rate stats are, like assuming they all have 600 plate appearances, what would their dollar value be? Just so that I know if they had full time at bats, how are they relative to each other? Um, and then I had the sort of what are the dollar values of each round. So like an ADP of 125, what's that quote unquote worth um, if you drafted perfectly. And then, you know, I subtract the dollar values to get like the net who's a positive, who's a negative. And that, that's kind of how I, I would set up my, my drafts um, in the past. Uh it works for slow drafts because, you know, you can figure out who's the best value here and what mm -hmm. am I leaving on the table in a, in a fast draft? It's like where you have a minute, I, it probably won't work. I've never done it. That's another thing why I want a partner. Cause I don't think I could handle the draft myself. I would probably die. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's how I, that's how I set the table for the, for this, for the, this uh, exercise. And then of course you do tweaks up and down where you think, well, okay, if, um, Picking someone, Von Grissom has 600 plate appearances. He'll, you know, boost up. But is he actually going to play? They just signed. They just traded for Jared Kalanick, so he probably won't. And so I have like sort of more gut feel, like percentages of like being able to beat that projection or not beat that projection. So just kind of wanted to lay out the process how I did it. So when I'm inevitably wrong in this exercise, we can say, well, that's what the number said. So I have a, a fallback. Um, so the first guy I picked off the list you gave me was uh, it looked like an ADP of from 339, and that's Henry Davis of the Pirates. This is kind of a cheating one because we just learned that Andy Rodriguez is out for the year. Um, there was already whispers that Henry Davis was going to get catcher playing time. I think uh, Ben Sherrington said he was going to, you know, be playing a lot of catcher. Um, this is probably going to make that all the more. Um, definite so he was already he was a plus two on my uh my calculation there so he was already positive where he's being taken adp wise when he was an outfielder only um it, he was worth that spot um now that he's going to be a catcher it's going to be even better i liked what he did um for baseball america I, I look at prospects using you know data robo scout it's what it's called and henry davis had a had a great year last year um just all the things I like, contact, exit velocities, blah, 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 age for level. He was very good. So I already like him. I had him a couple places last year. Looks like, you know, he's a 20 home run guy. He was even stealing some bases. 
double digit stolen bases probably. He didn't do the greatest, but I like what I saw. I like him for this year. So he's my first pick, Henry Davis. Yeah. And I, I shared you, I shared the ADP of these NFBC draft champions, the 15 team draft and holds with you um, probably like two weeks ago. And his ADP was uh, 339 in those then. It's it's already 332 um, just in span of a couple weeks. Um, so he's, you know, I don't think the, the 330s range is is representative of where you would have to take Henry Davis now, but I, I'm glad you, you mentioned him. Um, and actually a decent amount of these guys, uh, their value – or at least my val- my perceived value of them has has gone down or up just based on transactions or injuries. Um, obviously, that was the case with Henry Davis. Uh, I mean, he really does fit this sort of archetype kind of perfectly of the post-type sleeper because, you know, number one overall pick, obviously it was a money-saving pick by the Pirates then, but still, you know, that's pretty elite pedigree. He was the best college hitter in that draft class at the time. Uh, even as a catcher. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers in the minor leagues from him, you know, I, I don't know. He might even have, like, if you just knew that he was going to be on the opening day roster and he just hadn't played in the big leagues at all last year, he might even have a higher ADP. Um, but he hit 213, uh, just seven homers in 62 games. So that this this really fits perfectly as a post type sleeper to me. Um, the Andy Rodriguez injury, like I don't think we can really call Davis necessarily sleeper now because everyone's going to be drafting him, knowing that he's going to get that catcher eligibility, uh, and they'll be able to use him in the outfield until then. Um, is there a, a this? You know, I didn't ask you to consider this, but say Henry Davis is going, I don't know, pick 275 now on average. Like, is that, does that still make sense to you? Or is it just kind of tied to this original ADP where it seems like a good value? Like how undervalued do you think he, this ADP makes it? Uh, I'm just looking at my spreadsheet to try to get a feel for it here that uh, I think I can, you can take them significantly higher. I got uh, like Kiebert Ruiz. I'm just picking someone here mm-hmm. whose ADP is kind of like the 11th round. Um, and he, like, that's kind of what Henry Davis is right now in, in terms of production, like the 20 home run, 10 stolen base type of thing. Um, so like you could go nine rounds and he's still kind of positive value, assuming he's a catcher. Um, so as long as you can wait, and I, I saw that last year, right? Like I, I love Francisco Alvarez. I love Yaner Diaz and they were not catcher eligible at the time. So I didn't bid on them in any leagues. Um, I didn't want to wait until they got the eligibility because just in mm-hmm. case they didn't pan out. So like the, the risk benefit analysis, I, I kind of missed it, but I probably like in hindsight, it was uh, it was a good investment to do that. So I think I would take Henry Davis under the assumption he's going to get catcher eligibility. You just have to wait. Um, and he can put up like 10th round value um, pretty easily, assuming the wear and tear of being a catcher doesn't affect his his hitting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to go significantly higher on him. Yeah, I guess, you know, another thing to maybe <clears throat> just sort of have in the back of your mind is like his his defense 
you know, there, there's a reason why he was playing a bunch of outfield last year. Um, but you would, you know, he would have to be just really bad back there, I think, for them to uh, have that affect his playing time in a significant way. Um, but just <clears throat> something to consider. And I, I consider this with all catchers, really, um, other than like a Sal Perez or, or someone like that. Um, but like you do, you do got to look at defense because big league teams care a lot about it. Um, so we have to care about it. But uh, just looking at the depth chart, it, it would seem like he's a pretty good pick. And he would have been a pretty good pick, I think, at his prior ADP, even if he wasn't going to be a catcher, even if he was just going to be outfield only. So uh, I like that one. Um, okay, so I want to <clears throat> I want to make a, a case for uh, Ezekiel Tovar. Um He's got a ADP in these draft champions of 195. And I don't know if he fits that well into the post-hype sleeper thing. Um, I don't think I ever had him as like a top 10 prospect. I don't think I had him as a top 15 prospect. Um, but he does fit if you're just kind of looking at 2023 production. You know, it doesn't jump off the page. Um, but he had fantastic defensive metrics um it, it looks like tovar is a you know borderline elite defensive shortstop he was worth uh 1.6 wins above replacement last year with just a 70 wrc plus so um just a ton of value from the defense and ezekiel tovar uh his most common spot in the lineup for the rockies last year was second in the order uh he did hit ninth a decent amount as well so there's no guarantees that he's going to hit top three in the lineup but uh my hypothesis is that he will play every single day and hit top three in the lineup as long as he's kind of in line with his projections like steamer has tovar for 259 302 418 with 18 homers, 13 steals. Like if he has that slash line, I think he will keep a spot in the top three of that lineup. And, uh, you know, he had a 287 OBP last year, but still almost got 80 runs, uh, still got over 70 RBI. Uh, he hits the ball pretty hard. Um, his big flaw is the O swing, um, just really kind of terrible in terms of, uh, his chase rate and swing decisions, but um, you know, I love I love getting guys sort of in this range of the draft where they can, in theory, contribute in all five categories. Um, it's not the exact same thing as like Bryson Stott or Hassan Kim from last year, but that was sort of part of why I, I was drafting those guys a lot is just because you knew that they they could chip in in all five categories um and you never and you never really know like when a guy's going to take a, a jump in, in stolen bases um the new rules obviously help guys like kim do that last year uh tobar only stole 11 bases in 2023 but um you know if he's on base at like a 305 clip instead of a 287 clip you know maybe he's stealing you 15 bases um and, you know, I think there's upside for a guy. Last year was his age 21 season. This is going to be his age 22 season, and he's locked into playing time. 
So I'm expecting him to be better than he was last year. Um, like I don't think that he's just done progressing as a baseball player. Um, and shortstop to me, it, it kind of, you know, he's going after Willie Adamas, I believe. I like Adamas too as a, as a bounce back candidate, but uh, you know, after, after Tobar goes, there's a lot more kind of question marks on the board at shortstop there. So um, I don't know how well he fits into the post type sleeper thing, but I, I, I know a lot of people were high on him last year. I, I didn't have any Tovar last year, but I've already got him in three of my five uh, draft champions so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Tovar. I, I think I did have him top 10 on my personal list. Um, it's just you know, when, when they're doing well and then you get to like add the course factor to it, it's always, uh, you know, always boosts them up high. Um, I had him a couple places last year. Um, he was fine. He was good. I, I love the fact his defense was good. I, I, you're right in that the, the Rockies like him and they're going to probably keep him in there. And he was batting second or whatever for most of the year. Um, I kind of feel like he, he, when I was watching at the end of the year, he was like getting key hits at key times. And uh, like, he wasn't like sagging and fatiguing or whatever. It seemed like he was kind of getting stronger. And this is all just sort of anecdotal hunch. It's not looking at his splits or anything. Um, so yeah, I like Tovar. And like you said, he was age 21 last year, age 22. Like, of course he's gonna, he's gonna develop and he's gonna improve. So, you know, you can count on, I would think you can count on 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, ballpark. Um, the Coors factor makes play up His defense is going to keep in the lineup. And, you know, now with a full season of Nolan Jones and maybe a full season of Chris Bryant and Hunter Goodman and El- Elihuris Montero kind of taking steps forward, um, you know, maybe that lineup's a bit better than uh, we think. Um, Ryan McMahon kind of flagged at the end of the season too. Um, and so like, you know, if he kind of comes back fresh, <laughs> maybe it's a, it's going to be a pretty good lineup maybe. And so uh, Tovar, 20 home runs, 10 sold bases as a base, I think is a solid pers- uh, person to take. Yeah. I, I will just say that I am not counting on this being a good lineup at all. Um, <laughs> despite everything you just laid out, I, I think it is a it is a bad lineup still to me. So it is it's important that he be hitting high, um, you know, for whatever reason. If he's hitting ninth for a good chunk of the year, uh, I don't think the the pick will pan out as well. But I think the the lineup being as bad as I expect it to be will help him hit high in the lineup. <laughs> um, okay, so who who's the uh, the next guy that you wanted to highlight? Uh, I think I'll go Zach Neto. Um, you said he was 274 ADP at the time. Let me just check the latest thing. 274? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I, I updated that sheet. Um, so those, those should be all accurate. 274. So he he is still negative value for where he's being taken, but like the least negative value according to my calculations there. Um, I had Neto in a bunch of places last year. Um, I think I might have dropped C.J. Abrams for him in that OC with Jordan. <laughs> so um, despite that, I don't have a bitter taste in my mouth. Um, I like the fact that, I guess it speaks to your thing about the Rockies having a bad lineup, so he'll bat uh, Tovar all bat high. It's kind of like who, who's on the Angels now. So Nettle will probably bat high. It seems like they like him, obviously. They're pushing him aggressively. Um he was playing well and then he got that injury. I don't know. I, I was watching that game. He kind of slid home and he like s- cracked his neck and I thought he was going to be out for a long time. He kind of came back and he never really kind of recovered from that. His second half was really poor and I'm going to, 
uh, attribute that to that injury <laughs> and not him being figured out by uh, by pitchers. Um, same kind of thing. I see like 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases. Um, he's going to get the playing time. Probably going to be bat- batting high in the lineup. So, you know, if you're taking him 100 picks after Tovar, you know, you could do worse. Um, he doesn't have the Coors factor, but uh, I, I kind of like Neto at that price. Yeah, I love Neto at that price as well. Um, you know, part of – I think I have more Tovar than Neto. I think I might have two shares of Neto and three shares of Tovar. And part of that is just ADP because, uh, you know, when you're kind of trying to fill out your positions, like to me, Neto is sort of the last shortstop I'm comfortable with. But you don't always want to wait till the last shortstop in a snake draft. Um because you could very easily not get the guy. Um, so I do have those guys valued fairly similarly. I, I prefer Tovar, but, um, you know, once we once we start getting closer to opening day, um, you know, maybe maybe I'm willing to take Neto uh, ahead of ADP. Um, but I, I think you're, you're right. I think you, you kind of had to be paying attention last year, but he just – was so much better than I expected initially against big league pitching. And, I mean, they obviously rushed him really aggressively, um, but he really held his own. And he's, an, like you said, um, just a five-category potential type of guy. And, you know, that team's going to be so bad. Uh, I would I would imagine that, you know, he might even hit higher in the lineup than like, like roster resource right now has a ninth. Um, you know, there, there could be a path to him hitting higher. Uh, they've got Luis Renjifo hitting first. Um, who knows if, if that actually happens all season, but, you know, Neto probably a better hitter already than Luis Renjifo. So um, I like that call and definitely a guy that I, I want to have a, a decent amount of exposure to. So I, I saw during this exercise, I saw that Carlos Correa is kind of taken in the same Roundish as as Neto. Do you do you prefer Neto over Correa? Are you scared of the plantar fasciitis, etc.? Yeah, I I I don't. I will not draft Carlos Correa. Um, I have I haven't had Correa. I actually I picked Correa up in a OC off off waivers last year, <laughs> um, but I think that's the first time I've rostered Correa in at least five years. Um, I just really don't like getting uh, like a zero in stolen bases from a middle infield spot unless it's coming with like Corey Seager's stats. Um, so that part of it sucks. And then the plantar fasciitis and then, you know, like failing the the physical with the Mets and just that eh, I don't want, don't really want anything to do with Gray. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just wondering if it's everyone kind of shares the same sentiment that you're saying they're like, no one's taking Cray. And I just wonder if that's an opportunity. I, you know, I saw somebody, uh, I think it was Smata uh, with prospects live had a interesting tweet like a few months ago where he was asking like, do you think it's more important to draft the right players or to not draft the right, like to avoid the right players. And I thought that was like an interesting thought exercise because um, sometimes it's about just not taking these guys that are basically kind of landmines, like avoiding those types of headaches um, can sometimes be as important as actually selecting the correct player. Um, it's kind of like, 
Correa to me is exactly like Chris Bryant. Like I, I don't want anything to do with either of those guys and haven't for a while. And it's all, it all just kind of comes down to durability. Um, but yeah, I mean, just projections wise, they'll, they'll definitely show up as values. Yeah, I think to answer that question, though you didn't ask it, <laughs> I think I, I, I've learned from last year um, just to avoid the, the landmines. You just kind of want guys that can play all year. I know we got lucky. We had Spencer Strider. We had Zach Eflin. We had Blake Snell. We had Mookie Betts. We had Corey Seager. Like, it's, like we, we ended up getting a lot of the guys who did hit for sure, no question. Um, but like kind of the other guys all kind of played all year. Like we didn't really get decimated by injuries. And so like just, just having a full lineup every week will get you near the top. If you're, you know, kind of following the process, um, you should be able to, I, I, maybe I I sound like an idiot, but you should be able to at least compete if you have a a full lineup and you know, you're, you're being smart with your, your, with your fab and all that with depth. Um, so I kind of think I'm I'm leaning towards avoid the landmines as is the answer for me. Yeah, I I, uh, I won my first solo main event league last year with Vlad uh, Guerrero as my first pick and Dalton Barsho as my fourth pick, and like those weren't great picks, but there's something to be said for I just never once had to consider finding a replacement for them all season. Like that, that's valuable. Um, yeah, we had we had Varsha. I think we picked Varsha fifth on that team. On I, I don't know if you heard, we won the main event overall, and uh, <laughs> we picked him fifth. And it's just like never had to think about catcher, even though you know he didn't meet what we were hoping he would meet. He still put up value. We just never had to think about catcher. Yeah. Um. Okay, so uh, why don't we get to a potential disagreement here? Um, I don't have any interest really in Pete Crow Armstrong where he's going. Um, now these are for draft and hold leagues. So I'm sure he's going later in fab leagues uh, due to uncertainty about his, his role to start the season. But it's really just, I, I look at Pete Crow Armstrong, what he did last year and um, specifically his contact rate Um just as he climbed from double A AA to triple A and triple A to the big leagues, just kind of got into to pretty scary places. Um, 66% at triple A, uh, 56% in the big leagues. I just, I, I worry about the playing time <clears throat> because I worry so much about the batting average with PCA uh, in 2024. I, I still think he's their center fielder of the future. And, uh, I could actually see myself liking PCA as a post-type sleeper next year. Um, but I think it's a year early to take him in the early 300s just because I think he could hit like 220. He could spend half the year at AAA. Um, just just worried about the batting average floor. Uh, obviously, the defense is excellent. Um, nice combination of power and speed long term. Uh, but I'm I'm just really worried about how ready he is to to hit big league pitching. Um, but you might have a uh, counter take on it. Well, I mean, everything you're saying is correct. <laughs> I agree with all that. Um, I think what has me well, first of all, the numbers say that where he's being taken in ADP is where he should be taken, and that's for a full season. That's if you drafted him and you had to put him in. Like that's the dollar value that he's gonna get at that 
plate appearance uh, rate is what he should be taken at. And, and because it's a draft champions and you don't have to have him um, rostered while he's in AAA, um, you know, kind of boosts his value even more. But yeah, I mean, his, his contact rate was not great, slightly below average, even in, in the minors. He chased too at a, at a rate uh, higher than you'd want in the, in the, in the minors. But he had a good barrel rate. His his exit velocities were good, and his defense was incredible. I think we've all seen that that catch he made um, in center field, of course. Um, so I think he he's eventually going to be in center field for the Cubs for a long time. Um, twenty twenty kind of potential, maybe twenty thirty even. Um, so yeah, it's more of a like I'm betting on that happening. I know he was kind of overwhelmed in the majors. So I, I can't deny any of that. And I think, you know, his batting average will be 240 to 250 type of thing. Um, but I just feel that the the elite defense is going to get him in the lineup. He's probably going to bat lower in the lineup. And even at, even at this reduced sort of production rate, he's still kind of okay to be taking in that, you know, 20th round or whatever that is. Um, so I don't mind the pick. Would I, will, will he start in the in AAA? I think there's a very good shot. I think Roster Resource has him starting in AAA. They have Talkman, um, Ian Happ, and Seiya Suzuki as the outfielders. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming that the Cubs don't sign anybody um, to play outfield. So, yeah, it's kind of the, the odds are against him starting maybe. Um, but I think eventually he will. And if you get 2020 potential, um, then I think... You know, you kind of have to take a shot. So I don't know. I don't know if this is the the 2020 guy I would take a shot on. But uh, considering, I was surprised that the fact that he's his projections, even at the the bad projections that he has, he's still kind of at value at this ADP. Kind of surprised me. Um, so I think that's kind of setting the floor for me. That it's like this is kind of the production you're getting at the 20th round to expect. So. To me, it kind of made sense from a rational point of view, but I, I agree with everything you said. Like there are definitely red flags and it can definitely bite you um, by taking him there. But uh, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like him. I, I, I love, I love guys who have elite defense, especially up the middle. So like the Tovars and the, you know, Picro Armstrongs. Um, so, because I just know that that sets the floor, that's going to set the playing time. And I think for me, a lot of it is, who's going to have the best opportunity for playing time when picking these post type sleepers. Um, So I think he kind of fits the bill there. So there's a American league central outfielder who I think is basically going to have the exact same season as PCA. And he's going 60 spots later on average. Um, Any guesses? Uh, same se- say same season as in like 2020 ish, like, like getting 20, steals and stuff. Like, like, I, well, you said like 2030 ceiling, but more kind of, yeah, like kind of in line with what you're talking about with, with PCA. All right, let's think here. So, AL Central's so Twins outfield, outfielder. Yeah, it's an outfielder in the AL Central. Yeah. Okay, so probably not him. Maybe Drew Waters with the yep, Royal. Drew Waters. Oh, Drew Drew Waters. Waters. Yep. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Like, I, I, I look see- at both. I look at those two guys. I just think it's like the exact same upside, the exact same downside, and one of them's going four rounds later. Um, but you know, PCA obviously a much bigger name. Uh, Waters has a big time arm, so he's kind of more right field, but he can play center. Um, probably some more 
you know, the Cubs have more invested in PCA being great than the Royals do in Waters being great, but I think he's their best defensive outfielder. Um, but getting off track there. Um, <laughs> that, but I meant, I basically said that just to sort of say, like, I think, like, we basically view PCA the exact same way. I just think his name value is adding like a four round tax here that shouldn't necessarily be there, but, um, you know, we'll see. He's, he's very, very talented. Um, so I would not be surprised if he made me look bad by fading him there. Um, all right. Who's, who's the next guy you want to, uh, either pump up or pump the brakes on? Uh, what do we got here? Um, let's, let's pump the brakes on. Maybe this is cheating. So feel free to, to, Say no, but Garrett Mitchell, I, I don't want kind of cheat, kind of cheating, but okay, forget it, forget it. Jordan okay. Lawler, let's do Jordan Lawler. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I only um, say kind of cheating, um, like Garrett Mitchell was, you know, some of these guys, um, and this kind of even applies a little to Lawler, but like Mitchell, just with Jackson Churio signing the extension, obviously, exactly. you know, less less appealing. But um, Jordan Lawler, Jordan Lawler, okay. Everything we said about Pete Crow Armstrong kind of applies to Jordan Lawler. 2020 potential, good defense up the middle. Um, so, like, I should like him, but I guess his ADP is, like, way earlier. Two, I think I have 246 written here. Let me just check uh, what we have, 248. Yeah, so basically that. Um, my numbers show that that's, like, a minus $18. <laughs> like, you're taking the production you're going to get um, is way bad. So immediately, obviously – um that's a red flag and so the question is are projections under undervaluing him and like we had brian slack and i had jordan lawler in our main event overall winning team um and he obviously did not pan out for us um and it was all the things we're i'm probably going to say that are on the good side of the ledger 2020 potential he we needed stolen bases at the time and he's good defense, so he's probably going to play. They had him batting at, I think, second against lefties. So it's like he'll, he, they, they like him, they believe in him, and then he's going he's gonna to do well. But clearly he didn't do well. He was completely overwhelmed. His exit velocities were terrible. Even in their postseason run, they barely used him like even as a pinch hitter or pinch runner. Um, so that kind of is a red flag to me in my appeal to authority in that – even the club wasn't really enamored with him. So I kind of feel you're, you're, you're wish casting a lot here that you think Lawler is going to do well. Um, so I, I like him long-term. I think he's a, a nice player for sure. I, I like the 2020 ish 2020-ness. I like the good defense. Um, I just don't know if 2024 is the year that that's going to happen. So I think like Pete Armstrong, like you said, he may be a guy that I, I'm targeting in 2025. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I like Lawler even more than you uh, long term, um, just based on where we've kind of ranked him as a prospect. Um, and I, I think he's got just a really, really high ceiling. Like, I think he's I think he's got like 30, 30 potential. Um, but I and I have a share of him. I think I have one share of Lawler. Uh but I can't really argue with anything you said there. Um, you know, to me, like spring training for Jordan Lawler will be intriguing to, to kind of watch. Um, you know, the Eugenio Suarez pickup 
makes it very easy for them to just start Lawler back at AAA. Uh, and Geraldo Perdomo is is just a really nice piece to have who can just kind of play anywhere and, and play really good defense. Um, but I do think Lawler, like, you know, he was he was basically terrible at AAA for like 20 games last year, 30 games, and then he was just elite the rest of the season. Um, he only had 20 batted ball events in the regular season in the big leagues last year. So, um, you know, I'm not like reading into his production in his 34 um, regular season plate appearances in terms of projecting him. Um, but I do think you have to look at it in terms of projecting his status for the opening day roster. And you have to look at the depth chart. And I think that they would be open to the idea of Jordan Lawler just taking the shortstop job in spring training and maybe they get another um, prospect promotion incentive draft pick like they did with uh, Corbin Carroll. Uh, if they start Lawler up all season and, and he's awesome, but I, I think he just really has to be great in the spring to break camp on the opening day roster. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, okay. So um I kind of want to just sort of piggyback off of off of what you have to say about these next couple guys because uh, we're kind of largely in agreement on some of these. But uh, what what was your thoughts on? Because um, to kind of for the listeners, I gave Dylan sort of a list of guys, and there were two candidates that had an ADP inside the top one hundred and fifty, and they were Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe. Jordan Walker's uh, going at one hundred and twenty-five on average in draft champions. Anthony Volpe one hundred and thirty-three. Um, you mentioned that Walker at 125 was was a little interesting to you. Yeah, I mean, using that that calculation I was talking about, he is like significantly better value than Anthony Volpe, even though Volpe was you know 2020, and maybe maybe it's he's going to be better value because the Soto signing is going to have more people batting ahead of him, or just the lineup will be better, and maybe they're going to run opposing pitchers ragged. Um, I don't know, but Walker was significantly better. And then I think the Tyler O'Neill trade kind of frees up more playing time or kind of more cements, uh, Walker's, um, place in the outfield or DH, uh, moving forward. So I think it's kind of, he's, he's going to get, you know, 500 plus plate appearances, um, for sure. I feel Jordan Walker and he had a, he had a quietly good season last year. Um, I know that's kind of been, what people are talking about, how, you know, he was better than you thought and he finished the season strong. Um, I think I, I keep talking about these guys going like 2010. I kind of think he can go 25, 10. Um, he kind of went through adversity. So that kind of is behind him. Again, this is just, you know, anecdotal feel stuff um, that I don't have any, you know, data behind it, but I think, you know, he's a solid player who did all pretty well. It was a terrible season for the Cardinals overall. Um, so I kind of feel everyone's going to kind of get boosted up and do better. Um, he's, he's pretty good value at that, at that spot, um, with what steamer is saying for production wise. Um, and so with the, the playing to the floor kind of being higher with the O'Neill trade, it kind of like makes that a safer pick. And then with the upside that he has, because he's, you know, he's still only 21, 22, um, he can have a huge, you know, his 80th percentile outcome is probably much higher um, 
than other people you're picking at that in that in that round. So I like Jordan Walker there of those two. I do like Volpe still long term as well, but there's so many good shortstops that like I don't know. I think I feel he's getting like the Yankee fan base boost, and uh, people are kind of overcorrecting there on the on the on the high side. Yeah, I mean, I think the the stolen bases are a big part of where Volpe's going. Um, you know, just people looking to address, trying to get 30 steals in that range. Uh, Walker, I, I think, you know, he you're you're definitely right about uh, how he was sort of trending. I I haven't taken him yet. Uh, I do I do have a hard time with just the <clears throat> huge outfield like you know he's six five what like he's he's massive um obviously playing out of position in the outfield he was just terrible out there uh should basically be a dh or first baseman i do worry a little bit about when you have a guy that big playing out of position like is he gonna get injured like are his struggles gonna affect him at the plate um you know how quickly are they gonna be willing to move him to dh uh but yeah i think like if you just said you're getting 550 plate appearances from from Jordan Walker, and I think he he's definitely a solid pick where he's going. Uh, how about uh, how about Brett Beatty? Um, I, you know, when I first kind of came up with this idea, I was really excited to to hear your thoughts on Ronnie Mauricio, um, because I'm not really in on Mauricio. Um, Obviously, certainly not in on him for, for 2024 after the, the sad news uh, about the ACL. But um, I wasn't really in on him before that just because of uh, the you know the amount of chasing he does. Um, but his injury kind of clears things up if they weren't already clear for Brett Beatty. Uh, what are your thoughts on him with the ADP of 344 in draft champions? Yeah, when you were saying that you don't you don't know if you're really the the authority on post type prospects, I, I I feel exactly the same way. Like I was out before last year. I was out on Henry Davis. I was out on Matt McLean. I was out on Ronnie Mauricio. I just what they were doing in the minors was not compelling me at all to to be high on them. And then of course they had breakout seasons in the minor leagues. So I loved Ronnie Mauricio coming into this year. Um, the Mets were saying that their, you know, their third baseman is internal already. So, you know, everyone's speculating it's, is it Beatty, is it Mauricio playing third? And now that Mauricio's out, I mean, maybe that's changed. Maybe they'll, they'll find someone. Maybe they're going to backtrack on that and get some depth at third base. But it kind of opens it up for Beatty. And even at 340 or whatever you said his ADP was, um, he's at value right there. So now add the fact that he'll probably get more playing time. Um I think that just obviously pushes him up. I, I still like him. I like him for 25 home runs, maybe not this year, but like that kind of rate. He's got that potential in his bat. He's only going to be 24, I believe, this year. Um, he has the pedigree. Um, I know he wasn't the greatest last year, but I, I still kind of believe. And I think at that price, it's like it's the Henry Davis price, 20th round or whatever. It's, uh, you know, you can you don't really have a downside there taking him someone who's probably going to get full-time at bats or has the potential to have full-time at bats with a 25 home run opportunity. I think definitely worth the shot. Yeah. Beatty uh, pretty much at every, I think every upper level um, he's kind of had a rough patch before getting into a groove maybe. 
I mean, he was awesome at AAA last year in 26 games, 10 home runs. Um, he seems like more of a – like he's the type of player I think like David Stearns being in charge, like that's a bat that they're going to want to kind of maximize and develop. Um, and I think it's – I think he, he kind of fits classically into this post-type sleeper thing where a lot like Henry Davis um, – benefiting from the injury to a teammate a little bit, but also just kind of the amount of sort of pedigree and, and prospect shine he had at one point still dominant in the upper levels of the minors, but hadn't put it all together in the big league. So uh, I like, uh, I like the Beatty call. It'll be interesting. Like with Davis to sort of see where his AP goes um, probably won't be quite the type of bump um, that Davis is going to see based on that injury, but you look at the third baseman who are going behind or going in front of Beatty, uh, Colt Keith, like I think Beatty will clearly go ahead of Colt Keith uh, going forward, but like Wilmer Flores, Willie Castro, Jordan Westberg, Eugenio Suarez. Um, I'd, I'd probably take Heimer Candelario over Beatty, um, but he's going like 75 spots higher. Um, so yeah, I like that call. Um, anyone else you want to like, so we got, we've got like Miguel Vargas and Vaughn Grissom both have an ADP of 374. I think they're very similar because to me, they're, they're similar, awesome, you know, command of the zone in theory, um, debatable how much home run power there's going to be debatable, how much playing time there's going to be. Did you have any thoughts on Vargas or Grissom before we get to the, uh, Sleepers at first base. I, I think I don't know. So my sense is the Braves don't believe in Grissom, or they don't want to give him a chance. They traded for Kellenic as well. Maybe they'll platoon in left field or something. But I don't know. I just don't. I can't count on Grissom uh, getting the playing time that we'd want. And even if he gets the playing time, like yeah, he'll have a good batting average, uh, but he's not going to be amazing in home runs. Not going to be amazing in stolen bases. So. It's like you're not even really getting in that high of a ceiling, maybe. Vargas, I mean, I guess everything kind of applies to him, too. Um, with Betts being given the second base role um, explicitly, and Lux probably playing short um, the bulk of the time, like, I guess he's going in the outfield, and now there's all this talk of maybe getting Margot or is Randy or Rosarena removing the Rays from his Instagram or whatever is that? Is that portend maybe he's coming to the Dodgers or something? I don't know. Him posting a picture of him with Otani. Um, so it's like, I mean, I loved Vargas going into last year. I liked him. Scott really loved him. I liked uh, the, the hit tool and just he did not do well. He, obviously, he had his thumb thing and he didn't do well. But I mean, even Roberts was saying that, you know, he's got to be he's got to be giving more competitive at bats. And then they sent him down at AAA. And then you never really heard from him again. You never heard that, you know, he's doing well and they're going to call him up. He just kind of, he was gone for the rest of the year. Um, and he, he did okay in AAA. So same thing that I said about Grissom. I don't know if the Dodgers trust Vargas again. So I, I had I had him as someone I'd probably take. Um, and that was probably just the Otani shine that made me think that. And then when I look deeper, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I like Vargas. So Vargas, Grissom, I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't think I'll get them or or even or even go for them. Yeah, I think I think people might some people might be drafting Grissom 
like they already assume that Grissom to the White Sox in a Dylan Cease trade is like gonna happen for sure. Um, and if that does happen, you know, I mean, he his ADP will go up, but like you said, you're kind of you'd be hoping that he's sort of hitting first or second and really helping in runs, really helping in average, and just you know, maybe get to like 15 10, something like that. Um, I think I did take Vargas. Like he really fell in one of my DCs, and and I ended up with him. But yeah, all the sort of research I could do just on public quotes from the Dodgers, it seems like, you know, you, you never, you never like when a guy doesn't have a clear spot who's been like an infielder his whole life, and they're talking about playing him in the outfield. It's like I know the Dodgers aren't going to give Miguel Vargas like 300 plate appearances in the outfield. They're just not going to do it. So. Um, you know, I'd love a trade for, for both those guys. Um, okay, let's uh, let's continue the exciting end of show gimmick we got here. Um, it's first base week. Uh, already covered catchers, already covered outfielders. So uh, I gave Dylan a, a list of first basemen who are going outside the top 300 in NFBC 15-team draft and hold leagues. And he's going to tell me which first baseman he thinks is the best value who's going outside of the top 300 right now. Uh, who'd you settle on, Dylan? I settled on Ty France. Uh, pick 354. Driveline. Uh, exactly. That, 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 was, that was my key thing. Um, he, he, Rizzo, Wilmer Flores, and I think CJ Crone were kind of the top values using that that technique I was talking about earlier. And then of those, um, the fact that he's going to drive line, the fact that he's um, he knows he hasn't done well in the last year and a half or whatever, um, I'm kind of expecting a bounce back. He his numbers are good in terms of like WRC plus. It's just he's not they're not actualizing into home runs and stuff. And I just feel that maybe driveline can unlock it. That's the hope. So if I had to choose between Rizzo Flores and France, I think France, he's also the, the, the cheapest of the three. Um, he's the guy that I, I'm going to pick there. Cause I, I just, I, I have him in a couple dynasty leagues as well. And I, I really like him and I'm, maybe I'm wish casting there, but uh, I like Ty France to, to turn it around. Some people wish cast about, the Jordan Lawlers of the world and others wish cast about the Ty Francis of the world. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's, that's a fine pick. Um, the, the guy that I wish I could say, who I think is one of the better values in the entire player pool right now is Jose Abreu, but he's just inside the top 300. He's going 287 on average. Um, he was, basically the exact player everyone thought he was in the second half after not being that player in the first half and he was playing through injury so love Abreu where he's going but outside the top 300 my pick is going to be actually Brandon Belt all the way down at 549 uh, for an ADP for Brandon Belt Um, you know I think he's he's the type of hitter like of these sort of free agent guys um Good teams are going to want Brandon Belt. Uh, you know, he was he struck out way more than than he has last year, but he really cut the strikeouts as the season went on. He was really awesome in the second half. 
uh, on a per plate appearance basis. You know, you're, you know, Brandon Belt's going to miss a lot of time. Um, I don't know. I'd maybe project him for like 110 games, something like that. But when he is healthy and whichever team he signs with is facing some righties, I think you got to play him. And uh, it's just, it's hard to find a first baseman this late in drafts where you're actually not like bummed to plug them into your lineup if you need to. Uh, like I look at the guys going ahead of belt, like Kevin Biggio, um, CJ Crone, Rowdy Tellez, Matt Mervis, Ryan O'Hearn, Ryan Noda, Nolan Shanwell, Carlos Santana, DJ LeMahieu, Lamont Wade, Jake Cronenworth, Ellie Harris Montero, even Ty France, like all those guys, I think belt's going to be better than on a per plate appearance basis this year. And so it's just, you know, you're going to deal with some injuries, but just as your, as your backup first baseman, like you're not drafting him as a util guy. You're not drafting him as a corner guy, but just as a backup first baseman, I think belt's a great value. So I'm surprised you didn't, number one, I'm surprised you didn't take Rowdy Telez, especially after signing with the Pirates. But number two, where do you think, how do you think his ADP is going to go now that he's signed with someone? So you know he's going to play. How do you think the market's going to move him? Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm kind of a scorned lover. Um, <laughs> but this, you know, you, you can't fall into that trap. Um, you get a lot, make a lot of mistakes when you let, emotions get involved um with players uh but yeah i mean i just i don't know i i don't know how much i trust the playing time over the course of the season like how much better does he have to be than he was last year to keep that job um i don't know i it it, it's kind of looking like uh 2022 was maybe a bit of an outlier there. Um, just the, the lack of power in, uh, in 2023, really troubling for a guy where we already know the, the batting average floor is very low with Rowdy. So um, I don't know. I, I, I still kind of like, I'm looking there, there's sort of safer options to me, even though he does have that deal. Like I'd still rather have, um, I still rather have like Lamont Wade or even like Ryan Noda. Like I think Ryan Noda and Rowdy Telez are, are kind of the same guy basically and feel maybe a, a tiny bit better about Noda, but um, yeah, I, not that interested in Telez even after him signing. You are a scorned lover. <laughs> i know i know it's uh maybe i'll maybe i'll come around on him but um definitely a, a good time though for for listeners to uh renew their their rotowire subscriptions for the 2024 season i believe our draft kit uh or mlb commish just went live uh i've got a bunch of prospect outlooks that people will be able to check out on the site uh in the coming weeks and then a ton of first year player draft content coming so definitely uh, renew your roadwire subscription if you haven't already um but dylan uh what do you got to plug what do you got going on i know i, I catch the uh the fantasy pod you do with jeff Ponce every week um anything else you want to promote 
No, that's basically it. Jeff and I are knee deep in positional rankings for Dynasty. We just did the catchers this week. Every position comes out weekly. So first base next week, second base during the Christmas week. Um, yeah, so that's coming out. We do our weekly podcast. And, uh, you know, you're the benchmark for fantasy Dynasty ranks. And, you know, Jeff and I are doing our best to kind of be on the same same tier as you. And it's uh, big shoes to fill compete with i don't know <laughs> whatever the, the idiom is um so always great to be on this podcast with you and talk baseball well yeah you guys do great work i mean i, I don't think we're competing as much as just kind of you know all doing it um you know I, I love everything you guys do and uh keep up the great work man um excited to see which nfbc contests you end up entering um <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you and Jordan Rosenblum will take uh, like Jacob Degrom and Carlos Rodon and uh, just all the all the injured pitchers. Probably still take Mason Miller, um, but you can churn those spots in a 12 teamer. Exactly, that's true. <laughs> I, it's funny. We were just talking the other day, and it's like Tyler Glass now. Like all these guys are just it's all steamer based, and uh, I, I can't argue with any of the picks he's making. Uh, I'm on board. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thanks so much, Dylan. Um, Thanks to everyone for listening. And I'll be back with another episode next week. Cheers.